Welcome back to another raw and unfiltered episode of the Relentless Health Podcast. Every week, we bring you stories to help you become relentless and reaching your full potential. If you enjoy the message we are promoting, leave a rating and review on the platform you're listening to. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. Welcome back to another episode of the Relentless Health Podcast. I'm your host, Calvin Johnson. And today we got a special guest on. I've known him since 2016. He is a car fanatic and has turned that passion into a business. He founded Zotic Rentals in Salt Lake City. When you need to rent a luxury car, Zotic Rentals is the place to go. It's been a long minute since we last spoke. <laughs> years, bro. It's been actual years. Yeah, you reached out to me and you're like, hey, dude, I want to have you on my podcast. I'm like, Oh man, I was so stoked. This is my first time being on a on a being a guest on a podcast. So I'm hyped, man. I'm stoked. Dude, this is the first of many for you, man. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I love it, dude. I love this kind of stuff. So we've known each other since about 2016, 2017. And I've always respected your hustle. I've always respected the 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 fact that you have always tried to, you know start businesses, whether they failed or whether they succeeded. I've always respected that about you. And so I had to get you on the podcast today because I feel like our audience can learn a lot from you, especially seeing that a majority of the people that listen to this podcast are in the age range of 23 to 27. I had to get you on the show today, man. Oh, man, that's dope. Yeah, that's like that's like right in my right. In my, I mean, I'm 25, so I'm right there. Dude, you're still young, though, man. You're still young. I'm like that's what everybody says, man. It's crazy. I got I've got stories to tell. I'll get into it, but man, it's crazy. <laughs> I want to go back to the beginning. I think about I think it was like in 20, 2017 or twenty eighteen or something like that when you started Driven Motors. Yeah. yeah. Talk to us about Driven Motors and how that concept or that idea about that business came about. Well, bro. So let me let me be straight up with everybody listening. Driven Motors was a failure. <laughs> like, <laughs> Driven Motors no longer exists. Driven Motors <laughs> went out of business. I lost money. <laughs> but basically, Dri- Driven Motors. My buddy and I started that up because we were we were buying and selling cars basically out of my parents' garage when I was like eighteen or no, I was like twenty years old, I guess. And so we kind of we needed to like take it to the next level out of my parents' garage. And so we started this company, Driven Motors, and we worked on people's cars. Like our, our business model was we'll work on people's cars and fix them because we know how to do it. But mostly we want to buy broken cars, fix them and then sell them. And so that's what we did. And it just never worked. Like we, we bought bad cars. We, we just never made much money doing it. We kept throwing money into it. And I was broke at the time already. Like I was newly married. And like going to school part-time and then still working another part-time job to like supplement the income. And yeah, made any money doing it, but it was a good learning experience for sure. I remember coming to you guys a shop and bringing my car there for you guys yeah. to fix it. Yes, um, sir. <laughs> why? You're one of five customers. <laughs> Dude, so why didn't it work? Was it just like a, was the, the, like what was some of the reasons like looking back on it what were some of the reasons that business didn't work i had no idea what i was doing dude (laughs) as far as business goes i had no clue what i was doing i knew how to fix cars and like i've like i've always known that i've known that for a long time so i had that going for me but i didn't know how to run a business i didn't know how to like 
I didn't know how to start a business. So we never really started properly and we don't get off to a proper start. Like it's not gonna be like, you got to start right. And we just didn't like my buddy and I just moved into this shared shop space one day. Like we didn't have very many tools or anything like, you know, it's like, okay, I guess we start fixing people's cars now. Like, let's go tell people we can fix their cars and like, let's start buying cars. And then we got desperate and we started buying cars that were not good cars because we didn't have much money. You know what I mean? So like when you're flipping cars, the trick is to like have enough capital to buy the right cars so that you can actually turn a profit. And we never had that much, you know, when I was, when I was in that time, like to me, three, $5,000, like I was a millionaire, you know what I mean? If I had three (laughs) or 5,000 bucks. (laughs) So I thought I was killing it. And in reality, I was like, you know, I had a few thousand dollars to my name. So yeah, I was just, I was just young and naive. Dude, I think, I think that's because that's like, that's something that I could totally relate to because I've started two businesses completely. I, I hate to use the word fail. They more so like fizzled out. And it yeah, was, yeah. It was mainly because of that. Like, especially when you, like, you hear these people saying, oh, you need to get a mentor. But dude, when you're young, you don't have money to get a mentor. No, it's, no, it's not at all. the game, you know? And so, like, for me, it was just like, I'm going to start this business because I got the ambition to do it. And I I think that I see, you know, where I can, you know, make some money doing it or I see like a gap in the market or whatever it may be. And so you start this business and and it fails. Right. And so I think that's just like a a thing that we all have to go through. And that's something I want to point on, because if you if you start any business and it's your first, second or third one, like. Is is bound to fail, especially when you don't have guidance to really make it successful. It used to it used to piss me off when people would say that. Like I'd get angry when people would be like, "Oh yeah, like when you're starting businesses, like you're like you're gonna fail." And like my whole goal was to prove people wrong. Like, watch, I'll start this business and it's not gonna fail. But like, bro, the reality of it is, is like maybe it doesn't fail, but like you're gonna go through some hard stuff. Like oh. no matter what, when you're starting a business. If it say it doesn't fail, like say it starts taking off and doing okay, you're still going to go through like incredibly hard things that you're going to have to figure out, like things that you can't even imagine. So, and, and I didn't know that at the time because like I was just a cocky kid who thought I could just, <laughs> you know, make a million dollars real quick. That's such an important lesson to learn. With Driven Motors, uh, after that kind of flopped, what was the next steps for you? Where was your head at at that point? Well, dude, so here's what's so funny about it. So... All, while all of this is going on at Driven Motors, we're running it into the ground and losing. <laughs> I'm sitting here on the other side talking to my dad, who is kind of like at a dead end job. He's been there for like 15 years, steady income, doing okay for himself, a little bit of retirement. But uh, I was like, dude, we should start something. Because like I, I saw the writing on the wall, Driven Motors going downhill. So I'm like, my dad and I had worked together multiple times in the past, and I thought, Dude, like, let's start a business together. We had talked about doing a shop, like opening a shop ourselves, me and him, for years, like like three or four years we've been talking about it. I was like, dude, now's the time. We've got to do it. And so we started getting serious about buying a shop. What we wanted to do is we wanted to go find a shop that was already existing and we were going to buy it and then rebrand it as a, as a tire shop, like a Point S tire, because my dad had some connections with the Point S tire co-op. And we wanted, so that's what we wanted to do. So we'd been working on that for some time. And as Driven Motors was fading out, started going in the right direction for my dad and I to open a shop. Like 
he saw an opportunity to like leave the job he was working. He was found a way to take the little bit of retirement. And, and like, let me, let me be straight up and tell you guys, like, like my family doesn't like, we're not rich. We're like middle-class, you know what I mean? Like, like my dad made a very average wage. My mom worked, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like, we weren't broke, but we like definitely were not rich. And so my dad didn't necessarily have the money. He had like a little bit, like a hundred thousand dollars in retirement to put down on a loan. You know what I mean? And that's what we did, dude. We found the the right opportunity. We found a good shop down in Spanish Fork. He put the money down and I, I, I promised him that I would, you know, I would partner with him and do everything I could to run it and build it. And that's where Spanish Fork Point S Tire started. So I'm, I'm currently a partner in that. I still own that. I still work there most days of the week, but my dad and I are business partners in that business. When you presented this idea to your dad, what was that conversation like? Was there like any doubt? Well, dude, it, it, it's hard for him, right? Because like from his perspective, he's sitting at a comfortable, cushy job, making a good enough wage to support the lifestyle that he wants. Like he's doing fine. It's not yeah. like he's, he's needs a career change. But for me, I've always been very ambitious and like wanted to take things to the next level. So the conversation with him and like, I, like he saw it too. It wasn't me necessarily that convinced him. It was like, he, he wanted more, like he was striving for more. And with me, he saw that opportunity. The one that was hard to convince was my mom. And, and, and don't get me wrong, dude, my parents have always been in my corner. They've always supported like all of my entrepreneurial journeys, like since the time I was a little kid, but my mom was like very nervous about putting up the cash and like, what if the business fails? Like, what if it doesn't work out? It took a long time. It took like a couple years, honestly, to get my mom to a point to like, you know, sign off on it more or less. But eventually she did. So it was like, it was like sitting down, going to lunch and saying like, hey, like, here's our business plan. Here's what we want to do. It was like pitching an investor to pitch my mom. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm glad you shared that too, because like, it's like, I've never, I've never honestly spoken with anyone that has tried to pitch their parents essentially on a business idea and so this is a first for me and i'm sure this is a first for our audience so that was that was a gym you know with point south what was the process of getting that started did you guys have any roadblocks and how's that business doing currently oh dude i've got stories about that here's so let me let me start from the beginning so we get in there we buy the business right we go we look at it we determine that it's the location that we want uh we agree on a price with the current owner uh, we get the paperwork going. And so my dad and I both quit our jobs. Okay. Driven Motors has, has gone away at this point. At this point, you guys, you guys quit your job before the business is actually open and running, right? Yes. And here's why. Because the bank told us that the loan was approved. We're talking like we're going to be out of work for like a week or two between the time that we quit our jobs and walk in the doors of Point S and Spanish Fork. Well, dude, we quit our jobs. And like two days later, the bank calls us up and says, hey, there was a problem with one of the loan documents. It's going to take like another two or three months before Whoa. we're ready. So this is September. We quit our jobs in September of 2019. And dude, we walked in there like the first week of December. We finally took over the first week of December. So we were both like unemployed for three months <laughs> and we were not expecting it at all. I was already broke. I still had no money. So I just had to scrap, dude. I door dashed. I flipped cars still. I bought and sold cars on the side, made a little bit of money doing that. And dude, I just, I just hustled my way through. My dad had like some vacation hours that he was paid out. So he was fine. 
but yeah, I had to, I had to get creative. So during that time was your, cause you're married. Yeah. Yeah. I was married. Yeah. What did your wife like freak out on you about this? <laughs> like, Dude, what? my wife is so supportive. Like I got to give like mad props and a shout out to my wife for, for like sticking with me through all the crazy stuff that I've done. <laughs> like, I was, like we've been through some crazy stuff together and that was the first of it. I think though the driven motors thing was so like, like taxing on our marriage. Like we look back at it now and realize like we were newly married. We were trying to start this business. We were putting everything into it and it wasn't going anywhere. And it was like very hard on her. It was very hard on us. So by the time, like we got to this point where we were unemployed for a few months and, and trying to get by, like my wife was kind of used to it. It was hard still, but she, she had finally started to realize what she had gotten herself into, I guess you could say. And obviously you mentioned that your, your mom was, you've already had to pitch your mom for months at that point. So yeah. um, So she was, she was really stressed. Yeah. That's something too, man. I often hear a lot of times when you are trying to essentially pursue your dreams and starting a business, like it's, it's very taxing on the relationships around you because essentially you're sacrificing some of that to pursue that dream. And so I appreciate you sharing, being honest. Yeah, it was hard It's it's because the reality of it is, and I think that anybody that has started a business from the ground up knows that you're not only married to your wife, but like if you're starting a business, you're really in the beginning, you're married to it. Like it takes a lot of your time, your effort, like it takes so much. And so it's, it's tough. It's hard. And so I, I like, I appreciate my wife so much for just sticking with me and like, like being patient and now finally we're starting to see like some good things, you know? So it's, it's paying off. It just takes time. Dude, at this point, you guys are waiting for the loan and what happens next? So eventually we get approved for the loan, right? Eventually it all goes through. We buy the shop, we walk in the doors. Three months later, COVID hits and shuts everything down. Dang. So dude, like imagine this, you've just failed a business you pitch your family on going into another business with you you want, and and you convince them that it's not going to fail because you know what you're doing now you learned from your previous mistakes you walk in and then the world just throws an absolute curveball at you and shuts down the entire economy i was like oh man this is bad news and at the time i don't think we realized it was as bad as it was but during covid we kept the doors open we kept all of our guys employed we like scraped by we burned through the cash that we had like really fast because we had you know cash on hand to to operate we burned through it quick like we struggled and it has just been i would say this year we have almost finished recovering from covid like it it again nearly put us out of business and it wasn't just covid it was covid mixed with the fact that again young and naive did not fully know what i was doing my dad has business management experience and shop management experience, but there's so many things that like he couldn't, like he didn't know and, and that we just could not have seen coming. So we get into business and like day one curveballs just start getting thrown at us. So we struggled, dude, for like a couple of years. And it was the same thing. Like I was like, man, this is, this is not feeling good. My wife is stressed because I'm spending a lot of time and I'm stressed all the time and it's just like, it was not going right at all. Um, 
but things started to turn around at the end of last year. Like we started, we got a really good crew of employees together. We really figured out, like we got in the rhythm. It takes some time to get in the rhythm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We started getting into that rhythm, figuring out like how we want to run things, like how it should go processes, procedures, how to do things. Like you get to a point where you have pretty much, I say this for most businesses, there comes a point where you've done, like you've had a lot of bad things happen to you and like knock on wood and you don't want bad things to happen, but you get to a point where almost all of the things that you could imagine happening that like that could go wrong will go wrong at some point and then you learn how to deal with it so that when it happens again it's not as big of a deal so we kind of got to that point like we did so many things wrong we screwed so many things up we had so many problems that we learned how to solve all of them and so now they're not big deals when they come up and so at that point that's when the that's when the table started to turn and we started to see some progress in the right direction and like that shop still is not like like we're doing really well right now. We've got a great customer base. We've got a lot of good things going. We're set to break even this year. We've taken a loss the last two years. We're stoked that we're going to break even this year. And we'll, if we keep moving in the direction that we're moving, we'll turn a profit next year, which will be great. So it takes time, dude. I So there is a quote that, like, as you were talking, I was reminded of a quote from, you know who uh, Alex Harmozy is? Yeah. Yeah. So there was like a quote that he said in a recent podcast. And this remind me of what you guys are doing because you guys, you know, you guys are getting hit with curveballs, but you stuck with it, right? And now you guys are two years in, correct? You're two years we'll be three in December. Okay, so three years in, and you guys are starting to get to the point where you're hitting your stride. He said if you can wait a year, you can make a ton of money. And obviously, like this is just like, you know, this is subjective but if you can wait a year you can make a ton of money if you can wait a decade you're going to be above the one percent do that do the doing without seeing the results and for a long time you guys weren't seeing the results but now Dude. you're starting to see that momentum right yeah you know what's so funny about that is that's I'll, I'll tell you right now this is this is like a little little gem from the heart of ethan ashby the reason that people fail in business is not because they don't know what they're doing it's not because they don't know how to run a business it's because they're impatient. It's because they give up before they get their opportunity to make it. And that's the problem, dude. Like if people will just push through like all the BS for long enough and keep going, no matter what curveball gets thrown at you, eventually something will go right. Things can only go wrong for so long. Eventually, eventually things will start going right. Man, that's so true. Back in 2016 and 2017, I was doing I was doing financial sales, essentially is what it is. I was doing financial sales. I built a team of like 63 agents and I had no idea what the frick I was doing really, right? I wasn't going to tell nobody that during the time, but looking back on it, I had no idea what I was doing. I had a really good year in 2016. So heading in 2017, I was like, okay, we're about to take this to a new level. Um I realized what I needed to improve upon from 2016 and 2017, because I didn't really have anyone teaching me anything. I decided that I was going to leave the office that I had in Salt Lake. Mind you, rent for that office was about 1100 a month. And I was like, okay, hey, I'm going to put my boy Zach in charge of this office and I'm going to move to Oklahoma to expand the dumbest decision <laughs> in my entire 
life. I got to Oklahoma. First of all, I had no connections. I knew no one. And so essentially I'm starting from scratch. So essentially you're building, you're trying to start this whole process from scratch. And anyway, it took like five months before I overdrafted like eight of my bank accounts trying to support the office in Salt Lake and trying to start things in in Oklahoma. Business is funny because I know I could have probably saved that, but essentially I just gave up on it. And there's a point, like like I've had this conversation with people before too. Like there's a point where you have to jump off a sinking ship. Like that was the case with Driven Motors as well, right? There was there was no future for Driven Motors, and we <laughs> saw that. We knew that, and so it's like, okay, let's let's get out of here before it gets any worse. But in most cases, like in a lot of cases, like if you can see a future, like you can you can make that future happen. Going back to Point South, you guys are starting to hit your stride. You mentioned earlier that you're still involved in what's your role there right now? What are what's like what are you currently doing and what your dad's doing right now too? So we both manage the shop just as owner operators. So we're both there a majority of the week, basically just managing the shop in the front because in a shop business, you've got two sides of the business, right? You've got the shop, which does all the work and, and does all the repairs and actually physically touches the cars. And then you've got the front end of the business, which is like the customer service side of things where you're writing quotes and dealing with customers on the front counter and answering phone calls and stuff like that. So my dad and I uh, typically kind of run the front end together. We're, we're more or less kind of serve We do service writing as far as like building quotes, selling to customers, um, along with all of the business owner stuff that you do. You know, you pay the bills, you come up with marketing strategies, you meet with people that, you know, do a lot of different meetings with different people to for different things. So we're doing all the business stuff, but a lot of the day-to-day just like front-end type of stuff. And eventually the goal is to, we've got a guy that we're training up right now that works for us. It's a really solid dude um, that will hopefully eventually kind of take over that role a little bit, like the day-to-day front-end of the shop. And we hope to be able to expand to multiple locations. We want to open more. And so, but in order to do that, we have to build out a team that can manage it and handle it without us being there. Okay. So how do you guys go about finding people? How do you guys go about the process to find good qualified people? It's tough, dude. We've had a lot of turnover to be completely like transparent and honest. We've had quite a bit of turnover over the last three years. We've got some guys that have stuck with us the entire time, but uh, we've learned a lot about hiring people. Uh, we've used Indeed a lot to recruit guys, but the best I've found the best people that we have hired have been people that we know from the industry. Like this guy that I was referring to that we're training to be able to run the shop for us. He was the manager of the AutoZone down the street and AutoZone wasn't treating him right. So he was looking for something new. He came to us and we hired him and he's like one of our like super solid employees. And so we've done that a couple of times where we found people from other shops that are looking around or people within the industry, you know, people know people within the industry and that, that kind of helps us find the right people. That's the easiest way we've found, but we do still like if we need to hire somebody, throw an ad on Indeed and we'll interview people the traditional way and, and find people that way. I've just found that the best employees that we've hired have come from either people that we already know or people People that we already know on a on a business level, like on a professional level, or people that know 
those people, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, very close circle. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. Okay, so you're 25. Have you found it to be challenging being the manager over maybe individuals that are older than you? That's so funny that you bring that up. I was talking to a group of BYU students yesterday, and they asked me the exact same question. And I get asked that question constantly. Dude, it is one of the things that I am most self-conscious about, to be completely honest with you, is the fact that like I have to give direction and guidance and like tell people that are twice my age what to do. It's hard sometimes because I feel like, like, who am I to do that? You know what I mean? Like who, I, and then I remember like I'm their boss. I own the, I own the shop. <laughs> you know what I mean? But in the beginning, it was really hard and I had to earn their respect. When I walked in there day one, they just thought my dad was just like kind of paying my way and that I was like just some, some dude's son that was, getting a job for nothing, like I kind of just like fed this opportunity and it, that I didn't have to work for it. And so I really had to earn their respect, but I've, I think I've gotten to a point now and, and at least in that area, in the industry, people know me well enough that I've built that respect over time and people respect my decisions, what I say, or like, like how I operate and how I do things, but it's taken three years to get there. That's point South. Where did, where did exotic rentals come from? <laughs> so that's so funny. So as we're struggling at the shop, it's like, <laughs> we're not, we're not doing great, but I got this other idea. <clears throat> Have you heard of Turo? You know what, you know what Turo is? The yeah, car rental yeah. app? Yeah. yeah. So I had recently heard of Turo. This is, uh, this is back in 2020. I'd heard of Turo. I thought it was really cool. And I had an extra car that I had bought that my wife had been driving for a while and then she wanted something else. So I got her something else. And so this extra car was just sitting down at my shop. Good, perfectly running car. I was like, dude, either I need to sell this thing or like do something with it. So I thought I'll put the car on Turo. And so that's what I did. September, 2020, I list the car on Turo and it started renting, dude. It was just a, it was just a little mini Cooper, nothing special, but it started renting out and it did well. And all of a sudden I remember like, it was like one of those situations where I was like, holy cow, I'm rich, dude. I made an extra thousand dollars. I'm rich. <laughs> you know what I mean? I started seeing that like, I could, I could replicate this instead of selling the car. Let's keep the car. Let's continue renting it, make an extra thousand bucks a month or whatever I was making. And then let's go buy another one. So that's what I did. I went a few months and I just rented out that mini Cooper and then I found a really good lease deal on a Mazda. And so I go to the Mazda dealership end of the year, December of 2020, and I get this good lease deal on the Mazda. I listed on Tarot, same night. It's like booking, booking out like crazy. So that's where I got my start. I just had these couple of cars and I was renting them on Tarot on the side by myself, um, just as a way to make side income. And it kind of evolved from there. My brother-in-law, He's now my brother-in-law. At the time, he was my sister's boyfriend, and we're really good friends. I had kind of told him what I was doing, right? I explained to him, like, dude, this is Turo. It's super cool. Like, look how much money I'm making doing it. And he, he was like, I'm going to try that too. So he put his car on Turo, and he started making money as well. So then we decided to just dive in. And, like, I, I don't know about you, but when I decide I'm doing something, when I decide I'm, I'm doing a business or – whatever decision I make, like I go all in, bro. And so my brother-in-law, 
did the same thing as me. We're two separate companies or like not even companies. We're two separate people renting out cars, but we're helping each other out. Right. So he worked at a bank. He was a loan officer. He knew the ins and outs of car loans, how to get car loans, like how to get approved for what you need. Like, like he knew all the tricks. So he and I separately in the same month went to like 10 different banks and got pre-approvals at all of them for car loans and then closed deals at like four or five of them. So in the same month, we bought like, we each bought like five or six cars. Okay. So hold up, hold up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How do you get 10 different loans? (laughs) So yeah, that's the thing. If you do it in the same month. So when they pull your credit, what happens is, is like, essentially, if you get your credit pulled in like the same, like within a couple of days for the same type of loan, it's like one, it's like one thing. They just assume you're loan shopping. Right. So that's what we did. We like went to all these banks. We're like, Hey, we want to get pre-approved for a car. We're looking at a car. And then we just, instead of just choosing one and financing through one bank, we just bought five, six different cars, all from different banks. And then the next month it hit our credit report and both of our credit, like it tanked for a couple of months. But then once you start making those car payments, your credit starts going back up and you're good. It, it increases your DTI of course, and it makes it harder to get loans. But yeah, dude, we just, that that's what I'm saying. We just kind of like full send, like went for it. <laughs> and uh, we didn't know if it had no idea if it was going to work. At this point, I had two cars. My business partner had one. It was doing okay. I was making an extra, you know, 1500, two grand a month, whatever. I saw the vision. I saw the potential. 100% did not know if it was going to work. So went and got $250,000 worth car loans and said, well, I hope it works. Because if it doesn't, this is going to suck. Originally, my company was called Ashby Rentals. I started in February of 21, found a little office in Salt Lake. They allowed me like 10 parking spots and it was like 900 bucks a month. They gave me 10 parking spots, a little office, and we started renting cars out of there, like strictly on Turo. And so it was, it was good. Those were the, we, we call those like the good days because <laughs> it wasn't a business at that point. It was a side hustle, right? Yeah. And then things started evolving a little bit. I established it as Ashby Rentals. I had my six cars and my my brother-in-law, he had his own cars. We were operating out of the same location, two separate things still. He's got a Turo account, I've got a Turo account. We're making money, we're doing pretty good. And then I devised this plan because now I can't go get loans, right? I can't get any more cars, but I'm booking my fleet out every weekend. Like my parking lot's empty. I don't have any cars available. I need more cars. So I come up with a plan. I decided to start going to people, friends and family to invest in my business more or less. I go to them, I say, hey, here's the investment. You go and buy a car. I'll tell you what car to buy. We put it in my fleet. I'll rent it out and we split the money. And I thought it was a great idea, dude. I thought I thought this was, this was genius. It was going to work really well. And at first it did, dude. Like at first it was sick. So I got a couple people, we got a couple of cars, I'm renting them out for them, we're splitting the money, I'm making money, they're making money, it's going really well. Well, we started building our fleet fast. Like over the course of the summer, we, like I don't even remember how many cars we built, but it got to the point where Adam, my business partner, and I decided to team up. Like he was renting the cars separately, I was renting the cars separately, I was bringing more cars in by teaming up with people, 
And so we just decided to combine it together. So that's what we did. We combined the business. We come up with exotic rentals. Like it pops into my head in the middle of the night one night. I'm like, dude, that's a sick name because I was thinking exotic cars, exotic. It just it just popped and it worked. So exotic rentals. And we started up where we basically just transformed Ashby Rentals into exotic rentals. He became a, a partner with me in it. And we had like, I don't know, probably 15, 20 cars by the end of the summer. And it was crazy. Like we started hiring guys to work for us and their job was to like deliver and detail the cars. And then we just kind of managed it. But then things started getting tough. There's slow seasons in the rental business. And when there's slow seasons, nobody makes any money. And that's okay, but it wasn't okay for these people that had teamed up with us that had car payments. See, I didn't think about this. I didn't think about like, okay, they've got to make the car payments every month. Like if there's a bad month, they may not make enough money. There may not be enough money to split. Well, I didn't think of any of that. Again, just full sending into things without really, you know, <laughs> full. You, get, you can't think of every scenario. So you just kind of have to live it out sometimes. And that's what we did. Like it didn't work ultimately. And we ran that model for probably – a year like it's just been recently probably in the last three months that we've gotten rid of all of these cars that were owned by other people because slowly and surely the rental market has gotten more more competitive with Turo and that means that we have to charge less for our cars which means there's less to split between the two of us eventually it got to a point where it wasn't profitable and put us in a real bad spot so we had to help all these people ultimately at the point at our peak we had 35 cars holy cow that's a lot yeah. It was so much to manage, dude. Like it was being too much to manage. The cars were breaking all the time. We fixed them at the shop. So it's not too huge of a deal, but it was just, it just wasn't working. So I had to call all these people and tell them basically, Hey, I like, I know that we have this deal and like, and I know that you're probably not making as much money as you want to be. So let's sell the car. And then we helped them sell off all the cars. But all of that is to say that like, like that's how we built our brand really fast because we got all these cars and we had all sorts of cool stuff. We built it out quick. It looked really big, really fancy, and we built a brand. And what started happening with Turo is Turo started charging a bunch of new fees. So we started getting all these curveballs thrown at us. We've got these rental, these people that are teamed up with us that aren't making enough money. We've got Turo that's charging all these extra fees to the renters. So now people aren't renting as much or they're mad because they're paying twice as much as they should be for a rental car. So we built out our own booking site. We just built a, we like, if you go on our website now, exoticrentals.com, you can look there and you can see, like you can book a car directly from us on our website. And we're trying to, we still list our cars on Turo. We still, we still rent them out that way. And we still do a lot of business through Turo. But now a lot of business comes direct through our website. You can book a car, choose where you want it delivered to, pay for it online, and then it just shows up when you need it. And you guys manage the the booking on on your end, right? Yep, yep. It comes through on our end. We've got like a whole back end system that we can see, like when they come in, like where they need to go, all that stuff. And then we just have our guys detail them, deliver them, and get it done. So to build that process out, I, I don't even know like – I don't even know anything about it. So to build that out, did it cost you guys a lot of money up front or did you like, what was that process to, to get that done? No. So what, what we did is we found a company that had a software that, that did most of what we needed to do. And uh, it's very customizable. So we pay a monthly subscription to a software that is 
it's really good. It looks really professional on the customer end and it flows really nicely and we were able to customize it and build it out exactly how we wanted it. It basically was just a huge, it took a lot of time. It didn't, it doesn't cost us a ton of money. It just took a lot of time to build it out the way that we want it and like make it look nice, but it's, it's worked out. It's gone really well. So now at this point where we stand right now today is I think we've got like 15 or 16 cars. I'm getting ready to go buy some more. Uh, we don't have anybody else that's that owns. I mean, we do have, I guess, like one or two people that own cars in our fleet. They're kind of like the exception to the rule. But we've decided like we want to own our own fleet completely. We still want to rent the cars on Turo, but we're trying to drive traffic to our website as much as possible. And so we've done that in the next, hopefully, year or so. We'll be popping up in a couple other cities. Dude, that's that's huge, man. It's nuts. It's been crazy. That's a, that was a lot. Sorry, that was a that was a lot to handle all at once. That was, that was no, crazy. dude, that was such good information, bro. Because I I learned a lot. Like I know nothing about the rental car space, anything like that. So you you dropped some gems in there, man. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, sure. Did you kind of have an idea that it could grow fast? I had no idea that we would be at the level that we're at right now. I did not expect it to go like this. When I was renting two years ago, when I was renting that single Mini Cooper on Terrell, if you would have told me two years from now, you'll own supercars and be renting out supercars and be renting to high profile people and meeting all sorts of like, like famous people, I would have been like, no way, dude. <laughs> like, whatever. I had no idea that it would take off and grow the way that it did. And it's been hard, but dude, it's been incredible. Do you guys do like a lot of, cause I see like on Instagram, you guys do like a lot of car shoots. <laughs> yeah. 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 Lots of photography. You said you guys are trying to get into like other markets. How are you guys going about doing that? What's like the long-term goal? Do you want to be like in every market with that or what's the long-term goal with that? And how are you reaching that customer base? Yeah. So, so let me start by telling you this. We do it all ourselves. Like all that photography that you see on Instagram. Like if you're listening to this, go check out our Instagram and then tell me what you think of it. Zotic.Reynolds. It, we do it all ourselves. We we take the pictures ourselves. We do all the videography ourselves. We do all the editing ourselves. All of the marketing campaigns we come up with ourselves, the giveaways. We do it all completely on our own. To expand to other cities, so first of all, end goal, I want to be the enterprise, like the enterprise rental car of luxury and exotic cars. I want to be able, like somebody could touch down in any city in the United States and know that we're there and they could rent a luxury or exotic car from us. That's the goal. To get there, we plan to raise capital. I've gotten really into like, like learning how to raise capital and pitch investors and, and like where to get money and stuff recently. But we want to, we want to find an investor or two in each city uh, and have them partner with them, basically have them put up the cash to buy the cars. And then we'll go in and build out the exact same thing that we've built out here and just do it in other cities because we've gotten to a point now, now that we've gotten rid of everybody else's cars and we just have our cars and we just are doing it like our way without any, like like 20 other people attached with vehicles in our fleet like it's going really well like we've built out a good process we've learned how to do it how to do it right so we can replicate that in other cities and ultimately the goal is to sell it like i don't want to be in the rental space the rest of my life but if we could if we could build it out in like 25 30 major cities in the united states and then sell it to somebody you know exit for 100 million or something like that like that's the that's the dream that's the long-term goal I looked at your Instagram and I was like, they got to be outsourced. <laughs> no, we do it ourselves. If you, hey, if you scroll back far enough, it doesn't look nearly as good. But, like, 
it, it's been a process. We learned something really early on and it was like, we've hired people to do stuff for us. When we started our YouTube channel, we hired, and this is no disrespect to any of the videographers that we've hired or the photographers that we've hired. It's almost impossible to articulate a vision to somebody and have them execute that vision the way that you see it in your head. That's what we found. So we basically what that is to say is that if you want something done right, do it yourself. That's, that's the mentality that we have with the photography, the videography, the YouTube channel, all of it, because we've tried paying other people to do it and we tell them what we want and they do good work. Like, like we've hired people that do great work, but it's just not what we're looking for. And so, yeah, we just do it ourselves. It's been a, been a learning process. We've learned how to become photographers, videographers, YouTubers, podcasters overnight. I think in this, in this social media world that we live in, you got these people telling people that, you know, just start a business and they make it sound easy, but they don't, they don't tell you exactly what's going on behind the scenes. They don't tell you that you have to put the work in in order to get the skills or you're not going to get to the level of success that you're that you want to because being an entrepreneur is like there's levels to it you know i think the other thing on that note is that dude you have to recognize that you that you're gonna suck at stuff i'll go to events or like investor meetups and stuff and these people will be talking and they'll be saying stuff that's way over my head like i'm always the dumbest guy in the room i'll ask stupid questions because there's so much that i don't know and like there's so much that i'm not good at but but I don't care. Like you got to start somewhere. And so some people will be like, dude, how are you running a company? And you don't know like X, Y, or Z. I'm like, dude, I don't know. I just don't know. Like, will you tell me? So then I do know, you know, so it's okay. I think people got to get more comfortable with not knowing everything and yep. not being good at everything and embracing the fact that like, you're going to suck at things at first and then you'll get better if you keep working at it. Exactly. Man, it's been such a good conversation, man. I appreciate you jumping on with me today. Dude, we got to have you back on, man, to go into more detail about what's going on. Yeah, bro. I really, we only scratched the surface. I'd, I'd love to come back someday. Everyone, that is Ethan Ashby. And check out Zotic.Rentals on Instagram. Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, we're on all of it. Zotic.Rentals. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Relentless Health Podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to share it with a friend. It helps us to grow and reach more people in the hopes it will inspire others along their journey. As always, go be relentless.